0: One focus, one subject. Welcome to The Real Story, the podcast that brings together global experts to explain one issue shaping the news. BBC World Service podcasts are supported by advertising. Welcome to The Real Story from the BBC World Service. I'm Rithala Shah, and this week we're starting the programme with a snack. I'm just around the corner from the BBC office in a cafe that's all blonde wood and white walls. It's called the Scandinavian Kitchen, and it's a little bit of Scandi cool amid the hubbub of central London. So there are plenty of open sandwiches, meatballs, cinnamon buns, and shelves full of Scandinavian and especially Swedish food. Glossy cookbooks show pictures of tall, healthy blondes, Bjorn or Anna, cycling, wearing embroidered sweaters, projecting an image of health and happiness. It's a charming, idealised view of Sweden, the country of ABBA and Volvo, glamorous but also steady. It's a society that believes it successfully married the best bits of socialism and liberalism. But as Sweden prepares to go to the polls on Sunday, there's another less serene side of the country that's emerging and is demanding to be heard. This week on The Real Story, we ask if Sweden is losing its cool. I'm going to finish this cinnamon bun. Mmm, really lovely. And head back to the studio to meet our panel. And on our panel this week, Nasra Ali is the chairman of Social Democratic Students of Sweden. She came to the country from Somalia and joins us from a radio station in Malmo. Marcus Vikel is a member of Sweden Democrats. He was the immigration spokesman, but now talks about foreign affairs. He's in our Stockholm studio. Also in Stockholm, a Ruzberg Parsi, an academic and commentator. He came to the country from Iran and is a senior lecturer in human rights studies at Lund University. And anne Catherine Jünger, her research focus, Focus is on radical right parties in Europe with a particular emphasis on the Nordic countries. Welcome to you all. And Catherine Jünger, first of all, Sweden votes on Sunday. Give us a brief explanation of the Swedish political landscape. It's a proportional system with a number of parties, but tell us about the two main traditional ones, the Social Democrats on the left and the moderates on the right.
1: Well, the Social Democratic Party has been governing Sweden for the post-war period, uh, mostly, and then we have had periods with a centre-right coalition led by the moderates, that's a conservative party that sometimes is economically liberal and sometimes now and then is more uh, value liberal, as it has been uh, during the last uh, period, but now it's turning back to more conservative politics. And the Social Democrats, I mean, they have built up the Swedish system with the welfare state with uh, excessive uh, public involvement in many spheres of society, gender equality, it's where Sweden cherishes itself of. And as a matter of fact, most of the parties have until now been quite united around this idea of, of the Swedish political System and the main traits of society.
0: And I alluded to the fact that perhaps this was not going as smoothly as it has in the past, that there's a bit of an upheaval going on. These two parties are facing a challenge from Marcus Vigel's party, the Sweden Democrats, which is polling rather well. Just give us a little bit of a description of that and then I'll I'll come to Marcus.
1: Since the late 70s, there have been new parties evolving in the Swedish political system. Firstly, the Green Party, but more successfully, the Sweden Democrats, and they were quite late. Sweden was, was for a long time an exception in Europe with no anti-immigrant uh, immigration party in the parliament. But that changed rapidly in 2010, and since that, the party has grown. It has almost threefolded its support since 2000 now, and they are expected to poll around 16 to 18 percent in the upcoming election on Sunday.
0: Marcus Vikel, your party is polling rather well, but it has its roots among neo-Nazis. The founder members belong to white supremacist groups. What's the evidence that it's changed and what do you think its appeal is now?
2: Well, first of all, I don't really agree with that description. Of course, there are some members that were uh, active in the party in the 90s and the 80s that uh, uh, wouldn't be active today.
0: But the party but has to... been expelling people with links to, to Nazi uh, groups and so on, even in recent uh, weeks.
2: Exactly. Uh, we've expelled some uh, members that happened to be Nazis in the 90s. And, of course, I believe that's a very good thing. We, we're we very clear about our view on nationalism, and we're very clear about uh, our view on racism. We don't tolerate racists at all. And uh, this is actually very clear in our principal program, uh, where it says that Uh, The Swing Democrats is a a social conservative party with a nationalist foundation. We believe in open Swedishness, which means that anyone, regardless of background, can become Swedish. And we're also clear about being a party with a clear stand against racism.
0: And Catherine Jünger, do you think that description of the party stacks up? Is that how it's mainstreaming itself?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the party have historic origin in more extremes forms of, of nationalism and even racism. And the party has moved more to the to the mainstream. It has moderated its policy uh, somewhat. It has also expelled members in 2012. The party leader, Jimmy Åkesson, introduces zero tolerance. It has been more reactive in character since the party has expelled member in particular when the media has uncovered stories about members making racist slur or members behaving in an inappropriate way. And that has been the precondition for the electoral growth of the party. Many voters wouldn't have voted on the party uh, many years ago since its appeal was too extreme. And there was actually a stigma attached to the party and also attached to those who voted on the party. Raleigh,
0: you're from the Social Democratic Party, which has dominated Swedish politics for years, closely identified in a sense with the image of cool Sweden. Why do you think the shine has come off that image? Why are some of your traditional voters moving across to the Sweden Democrats?
3: That is a good question that we are actually trying to answer right now because we know that a lot of uh, our working members for example in the union are voting for the for the Swedish Democrats and uh, just to point out I want to say that 80% of the Swedish people doesn't want the Swedish Democrats and that is a really important point to make and the other thing is that most of the people that are voting for them are not racist or Nazi people even if the party it is and uh, the other thing is that I think that people are right now getting worried Uh, the populism and uh, parties uh, just as the Swedish Democrats is everywhere in Europe right now look at Denmark and look at in Norway and even in Finland so it's to pick
0: up on something you said you said people who are voting for them are not racist they're ordinary Swedes in a sense that suggests that the Sweden Democrats are picking up on a concern that they have that
3: parties like yours have failed to do of course, you have to also look inside yourself and criticize what you are doing. But the other thing is that the Swedish Democrats are playing on a picture that is not true. They are playing on a picture that everything is the immigrants' fault. Everything is like if you don't have a work, it's the immigrants' fault. If you don't have an income, it's the immigrants' fault. And I think people doesn't realize what kind of politics that they actually have. I mean, one of the things that we have campaigned right now and campaigning against is that the Swedish Democrats are suggesting to limit the abortion from today's 18 weeks to 12 weeks and I mean a lot of young girls but also women in Sweden think that this is crazy and uh, if you look at into their politics they are a right wing party first of all they want to lower down the taxes and so on but if you, and then if you look at their members for a few weeks ago it was a, one of their members candidating in the party that was making jokes about the second world war that was make that is anti-Semitism, that oh. was using the N-word and so on. So I think people have realised it right now that this is a racist party And but at the same time I mean that every party, even the moderates um, and the Conservatives, the Liberal ones, have to also to think, what are we doing wrong? Okay. Why are people voting for them? And that is what we are also trying to do right now.
0: I want to explore all of those issues uh, some more. And Marcus Vigel, I'll let you come back on some of those uh, those issues. But Rosberg Parsi, this is an election where, as is already becoming apparent, immigration and crime actually have taken centre stage. It's often said that people vote all over the world on economic issues. Why do you think Swedes aren't concerned with their economy right now?
4: Well, I think actually they are very much concerned about their economy, but it's that the narrative isn't directly about the economy. It's about the effects of an economy where incoming inequality has increased. So in a sense, you can say that the Sweden Democrats have successfully managed to skew the political discourse in a direction where everything is interpreted and looked at through the prism of immigration. So basically everything, maybe except forest fires, somehow lands in the lap of immigrants and immigration policy. So they've
0: successfully reframed the debate?
4: Yes, definitely. And you can see that there's been, in a sense, a sea change uh, in 2015. When you look at how immigration was viewed and the Syrian refugee crisis, it was Termed the crisis and then this notion of a systemic collapse in Sweden came about and suddenly you had politicians all across the board talking about some kind of imminent collapse, which of course wasn't true because I mean the Swedish system was under strain, sure, but it was not about to collapse. So, but so that what idea changed? Of, a kind of a doom and gloom and doomsday well, uh, obviously the... did the Sweden Democrats very well. What changed, in your view, between kind of...
0: 2015 and 2018? Why did attitudes change at that point? Sweden took in a record number of asylum seekers, 163,000, during that migrant crisis. There were, many of them were Muslims from war-torn Syria and Iraq. But in a sense, it fitted with the pattern of of Sweden being a country that was open and welcoming to to migrants and to refugees.
4: Yes, but you can see this being a recurring pattern. Because if you go back to the 1990s, you had the Bosnian refugee crisis, which in a sense helped what was called the New Democrats, a new party that came about. It's just that they were basically much more amateurish in their way of trying to pinpoint that one single issue that was going to mobilise the electorate in their way. And the Sweden Democrats have had longer time to prepare, and they are definitely much smarter about it. And in a sense, they succeeded, partly also because the other parties then get scared when they look at the opinion polls, and they start running all over the place trying to find a way of of catching the wind in their sails.
0: What's interesting about what's happened is that there is unease, as I think you've described there, Ruzberg Parsi, but it's also been seized on by some politicians.
4: You look at what's happening last night in Sweden! Sweden! Who would believe this? Sweden! They took in large numbers, they're having problems like they never thought possible. You look at what's happening in Brussels, you look at what's happening all over the world...
3: Pro rata, Sweden have taken more young male migrants than any other country in Europe. And there has been a dramatic rise in sexual crime in Sweden, so much so that Malmö is now the rape capital of Europe, and some argue even the rape capital of of, of perhaps the world. And there is a Swedish media who frankly just don't report it. And if those comments by me on Sweden have enraged any of you, then please feel free to call.
0: Well, you heard there, first of all, President Trump addressing a rally back in February last year. And with no incident reported the night before, the Swedish government actually asked the US administration for an explanation. Mr Trump later tweeted, saying he'd been referring to a television report on Fox News, which looked at refugees and crime in Sweden. And you also heard from the former UKIP leader, Nigel Farage, speaking on LBC radio here in Britain when he discussed those comments by President Trump. Marcus Wickel, do you recognise this image of Sweden? Is it one that, in a sense your party is is saying is a, is a real reflection of what's going on in the country.
2: Actually, sadly, I do recognise the picture in many aspects. What has happened in Sweden in the recent years is a dramatic change from before, and uh, this is due to the massive immigration to Sweden, not due to the immigrants. We don't blame the immigrants for these problems. We blame the politicians. We blame the people who made these decisions that actually caused segregations, caused the rise of extremism. And this is what we criticise. But uh, sadly, I do recognise the picture.
0: Nusra Ali, that seems like the blame is being laid very much at your door and at your party.
3: Of course, I have heard this so many times and this is what we hear every day here also in the election, so it's not, you know, new. I mean, I'm in Malmö right now and it's it's really, really strange because I, I feel that everybody's trying like, you know, to paint a really black picture of Sweden right now and it's not only Trump, it's also like, you know, journalists and media in Russia, so everybody has some kind of interest to have a black picture of or putting a black picture of Sweden, so I think this is not like something new for us, but on the other hand, if you look at the Swedish Democrats' policy and politics and if you like go further than the picture they are trying to paint, then you will see that it's not a, a party that is only putting everything on on uh, the immigration as he said it's also like people like me that have lived here since I was six years old I'm 30 right now that have to go back if the Swedish Democrats will be in the government and That's just like true. you know it, to and just to have a, to paint a picture for you I was campaigning yesterday and I was standing next to a woman Swedish Democrat woman and we have a lot of school children right now going around and have they have like homework and they have to ask some questions to to the parties. And it was five girls talking to to this woman and asking her questions. And suddenly I heard they were getting angry. And the woman actually pointed at this girl and said that you're not Swedish. And she was 13 years old, this girl. And this is kind of this kind of party that we have right now. And I think that people will realize when it comes to the end that... Talking, jo- making jokes about um, Anne Frank and making jokes about the Second World War and using the N-word and trying like, okay. not to make a Marcus society Wickel?
0: for, for only this... blonde,
3: blue eyes people is not going to work in the end.
0: Is this the atmosphere your party's creating? And would someone like uh, Nusra have to go home under if if your party was to gain power?
2: No, she wouldn't. Uh, I mean, we, we don't want so to expel much. anyone. <laughs> we don't want to expel anyone from Sweden Unless they've committed a, a bad crime Or if uh, they've lied their way into Sweden But what we've criticized is a rise of extremism We've criticized the segregation caused by the massive immigration But we wish that all the people who have moved to Sweden should become Swedish They should become a part of our society We believe in an including society and sadly, uh, what the Social Democrats are doing right now is that they're spreading fake news. They're spreading, uh, spreading what they claim that other countries would do. They're uh, saying things about us that simply aren't true. And that's what we heard so, just a moment ago. So
0: I want to ask you about this link between immigration and crime, which was raised in a sense in that clip we heard of President Trump and indeed by Nigel Farage. What is your view on immigrants and crime, Marcus Vikel? I
2: believe that most immigrants coming to Sweden don't wish to be criminals and most people aren't criminals. Uh, Sadly, since we've had an immigration policy that's not sustainable, we've seen how more people are getting segregated, people end up uh, living in uh, different areas that are sort of known to be uh, havens for criminals. And sadly, the policy that we've seen have cost people to turn to crime. And this is a big problem. we've seen that the police doesn't even have the resources to deal with this.
0: Rusbe Parsi, there is this perception that somehow immigrants are guilty of crime. That's the perception certainly that is coming through of, of this election. Do you think that that is one that is filtering through to the electorate in Sweden?
4: Yes. I mean, crime is a difficult topic also because people tend to have ideas about how Criminal, the society they live in is, which doesn't really compute with the actual statistics of what's going on. So, I mean, if you look at the statistics consistently, most people who experience violent crime are usually within the age limit of those who also commit those crimes. So, we're talking about young men primarily. They're the ones who are out and about getting drunk and then fist fights and so on. But most people are afraid of being exposed. To that kind of violence, are never anywhere near it. So there's a difference between the perception of where crime takes place and who becomes a victim of crime, and what the statistics tells us. And the problem to some degree in this kind of media driven drama of political narrative is, of course, that people then start doubting the statistics, thinking that the statisticians are lying.
0: I'm going to play you a montage of news clips, and perhaps that is the, the drama that you describe, but it's reporting events that actually happened. Swedish police say gangs of youths torched or vandalised at least 80 vehicles in towns on the southwest coast overnight on Monday. Two men have been detained, with more arrests expected. The Prime Minister, Stefan Löfven, visited the region and said the disturbances were almost military-like in their degree of coordination. A truck has ploughed into pedestrians in the Swedish capital Stockholm before ramming into a department store in the city centre. An eyewitness told local media that someone jumped into the driver's cab while the vehicle was being... Unloaded. A failed asylum seeker in Sweden has been sentenced to life in prison for driving a truck into shoppers on one of Stockholm's busiest streets. Five people were killed and ten injured in the attack in April last year. The court ruled that Rachbat Akilov from Uzbekistan was guilty of terrorist crimes. And that's obviously just a snapshot of two events, Gothenburg on August the 14th and the Stockholm attack of 2017. But... Isn't the point that stories like that change perceptions, create unease,
3: which Nusra Ali parties like yours fail perhaps to address? Of course, it's wrong to do that kind of crimes. We're not saying that it's 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 not wrong or it's not like that. And of course, we have, uh, I wouldn't say it failed, but maybe address the, the feeling of not like, you know, having the security that you need. And that's why we have focused on the security, but also to talk about the roots of the crime. And with security, I mean, do you have work? Do you have somewhere to be? Do you have a housing? Do you have that kind of things?
4: I just want to address something that, y- that you kind of posited there. The, the point is this. Are politicians supposed to only simply respond to the fear of the electorate? Or are they not also supposed to somehow bring in some factual granularity to it? It can't just be that whenever anyone is afraid of something, then we all have to jump through a hoop. And, and kind of confirm that fear. Well, Marcus I'm not Fiegel. saying that the fear isn't necessarily real, but there's a difference between fear and just pandering to any kind of panic.
0: Marcus Wickel, are you guilty of fanning fears, of overstating problems?
4: Not at all. I mean, the reason we exist is
2: because we've seen these problems for a long time. We've tried to warn other politicians and warn uh, the voters about what what happens when you have a policy that doesn't work.
0: Anne-Catherine Jünger, if I can bring you in,
1: in intellectual yeah, terms you.
0: then, is it right to focus on an issue like crime, which clearly taps into public concern?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it seems to be rewarding. I mean, the parties win the votes but and, and and by making these appeals. But I mean, actually, we're talking about facts and perceptions. I mean, the media now, they try to cover different areas, kind of crime, health care. I mean, because people are also concerned that there are long queues to healthcare and so. And what, what the facts show about crime is that there is not much increased there are certain crimes that have increased when it comes to sexual crime it's because the legislation has been broadened so there is actually an exaggeration obviously there is increasing as as was said here earlier i mean social inequality there is more segregation there are large differences between schools the education in different areas and also with healthcare. i mean sweden is a large country scarcely populated and some People have a hard time to find to get to the doctor to get specialist specialist care. Also, when it comes to the police, actually now there are less police per capita than previously. But that's not because of immigration. That's because of of liberalisation, changing changes in healthcare and in education that happened back in the nineties. So actually, these issues could be talked about in kind of the ordinary or traditional socio-economic left right conflict line now this is more about the new you know post material and, and value based uh, conflict dimension that's about you know nationalist crime uh, on the one on the one hand so i think it, it's 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 one narrative now that dominates over another and and i think now as as nasri was saying here earlier that the other parties are adapting and have adapted to the narrative of the Sweden Democrats because they want to compete about the vote, so it's, it's, it's politic.
0: And just to remind you, you're listening to a podcast edition of The Real Story from the BBC World Service. And this week, we're looking at Sweden. Each week, we tackle a different topic and you can download the programme every Friday. I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss an edition. And there are also many other BBC World Service podcasts to choose from. You could try Witness, our history series told by the people who were there. First-hand accounts of some of the most important events which have helped to shape our lives and the places we live. There are five podcasts a week and an incredible archive to delve into. Do please let us know what you think of this podcast from The Real Story or any ideas for topics you'd like us to look into. You can email us at story at bbc.co.uk. But now let's get back to this edition of The Real Story with me, Ritola Shah, looking at Sweden and my guests. We're joined by Nusra Ali, the chairman of the Social Democratic Students of Sweden. Marcus Vikel, a member of Sweden Democrats, he speaks on foreign affairs. Ruzber Parsi is an academic and commentator. And anne Catherine Junger is an expert on radical right parties in Europe. Now, earlier in the programme, we were looking at how Sweden's image as an oasis of sort of liberal values and social democracy is being challenged. I want to continue that conversation. Nusra Ali, we were talking specifically about how crime is being perceived in this election. And I wanted to give you a a chance to come back at some of the points that were made
3: the thing is that as we are saying as you said it in the introduction, the economical is uh, going really good in Sweden and since 2014 as the Social Democrats with the Green Party uh, had the government 300,000 more people have a job to go to. The youth employment is on the lowest level for 16 years and the welfare we have reduced the welfare dependency to its lowest level since 1988. But still, and as we said before, the narrative of talking about the crime. Of course, I'm the head of the Social Democrat Students and we are like, you know, the young active in the politics in my party. And of course, we want to talk about the ideology uh, questions and so on and the left questions as we were talking about before. But the uh, voters and the people here in Sweden doesn't feel that the safetyness that they should feel or the security that they should feel. A lot of people don't see what will happen in 10 years. And I can, for example, say it honestly, that my party may be haven't given what is Sweden going to be within 30 years, and that kind of things that we should do. But with the Swedish Democrats or Sweden Democrats, as as you are saying as well, is basically giving the black picture of Sweden. Everything that happens, it's the immigrants wrong, and everything that is like you know going on. And even if you present the facts, it's not working. People only like have this narrative of the immigrants will come here and take my jobs. Let basically. Let's
0: talk about the question of integration. I'll come back to the economy in a moment, because is that one of the problems that is, in a sense, arising during the course of this election campaign? Rusbe Parsi, you came to Sweden about 40 years ago. What's your perception of how easy or difficult it is to integrate as an immigrant in Sweden?
4: Well, I think that has changed over time. Obviously, each generation, each flow of refugees or immigrants that have come to Sweden have been exposed to a different Sweden. It's very simple for people to somehow think that Sweden has not changed. But as mentioned before, I mean, the 1990s, we had a lot of cutbacks when it came to the social welfare system. And we're seeing some of those effects today because it had to do with education, etc. So, I mean, coming to Sweden today, it's a different society than when I came in the late 1970s. But I want, to, I want to revisit another aspect of this because we're talking about integration. The point is that for a long time in Sweden, like in many other countries, people were talking about integration but what they actually meant was assimilation. And the assimilation idea is much closer to what the Sweden Democrats want because what they basically want is the uniformity of the so-called pristine nation. And so for them, yes, even if the representative would claim that people like me can live here, the idea, of course, is that we're supposed to be as much alike the ones they consider to be the quote-unquote true Swedes. The problem, of course, being that they can't really define who those are, but never mind.
0: Marcus Wickel, is there an image, in, in a sense, underlying all of this of a Christian Europe, one that perhaps isn't open to Islam?
2: Well, I mean, we're an open party. We believe that anyone could adapt to a new society, no matter where they come from. I do agree that we do believe in assimilation and not integration, which means that you should adapt to the society that you move to, which is something that it's uh, quite clear in most countries that that's what you're supposed to do. By this, we don't mean that you should leave your history behind. I mean, you have your own history, you have your own ways to live, but uh, it shouldn't you shouldn't um, make demands on the society that you uh, move to.
0: Well, and is, is there an underpinning of an anti, a strain of anti-Islam there?
2: Well, of course, we do believe in the values, the Swedish values and the European values. And when it comes to Islam, I mean, you can be a Muslim and live in Sweden. You can be a Muslim and be a Swedish, Sweden Democrat, but you need to adapt to the society. And when it comes to Islam, we've seen that some of the values that are quite common within Islam isn't really values that we feel comfortable with.
3: Nusrali. I want to ask one question. What does it mean with the adaption of coming to Sweden? What do you mean with that? And the other one is, what is the Swedish values? So if you can answer to that, Markus.
2: Well, when it comes to the Swedish values, I mean, it's very hard to actually point out exactly what the Swedish values are. But
3: But how can you it, say it, then that you should does, follow the Swedish values if you don't even if you can't even define what the Swedish values is? Well, are you I mean, following the you, Swedish values? Uh, are you following the Swedish culture? I am. You don't and even know what the we person say, that what is we Swedish.
2: Say, what we say when it comes to integration or assimilation is that you need to adapt to the culture, you need to adapt to the society, which means that you should follow our laws, you should try to learn social codes, you should try to learn how to to live in Sweden and do not make demands on the society that you move to.
3: This of course you are following that... the rules of Sweden if you come to uh, Sweden. We have a judicial system. Of course you will follow the rule. But we is, have it a about, is this we about... Have the, we have, it, this is not about like, you know, following the rules or being adopted to the uh, Swedish culture. This is about like, you know, putting uh, people in different uh, spots. But is like, this, this is about, the immigrants
0: and this is the Swedish people. Is this about values like, for instance, attitudes towards women, feminism?
2: It is, and that's what we're trying to say. I mean, in Sweden, we believe in equality between men and women. We believe that a woman should be able to walk outside with whatever clothes she she wishes to have, without getting harassed, without getting sexually assaulted. We believe that children should be able to go to school without segregation. These are fundamental values for us. And, and where,
0: where does that lead, like the burka just... or the headscarf?
2: Well, when it comes to uh, the burqa or niqab, uh, we believe that it should be outlawed in public spaces. Anne Catherine, but if you if I, you choose to wear it uh, inside your own house, I mean, we don't care about that.
0: And Catherine but, I mean, Younge- is this yeah. To what extent does this reflect, in a sense, attitudes of similar parties across Europe? This is a debate that's being had in many countries, not just Sweden.
1: Yeah, I think the Sweden Democrats are very similar to other radical right parties in Europe, but as they have not had access to decision making, they have not been able to transform Swedish legislation on, on, on these matters yet. But when it comes to gender equality and the Swedish Democrats, and we talked here that Usually these parties are kind of characterized as single-issue parties, but they are not. I mean, now they have a broader array of policies that attract voters, but they seem to be kind of a single-explanation parties. Since immigration is kind of the only explanation, but also when they take an interest in the policy areas, gender equality, it's about when it can be connected to immigration. Because when it comes to gender equality in general, Sweden Democrats pretend kind of conservative policies. I mean, Sweden is known for being kind of a gender-friendly country where their concern has been taken to share family responsibilities, have regulations on paternal leave quotas in political decision making, and making it possible for women to combine being at home, being a parent or for parent and having a working life. And I think there we see a conservative turn with Sweden Democrats.
0: And all of that points to what was the basis for Sweden being perceived as an equal society in every sense of that word. But inequality is rising. How would you characterize that, Anne-Catherine?
1: Well, I mean, still Sweden belongs to the most uh, socioeconomically equal countries in the world, but the inequality has increased over time. And and actually, this is something where immigration plays a role because these are the new arrivals to Sweden that have the largest problems to find a job, to get a job for different reasons. Some are discriminated against in the labor market, and others, they don't have the skills necessary for work. I mean, it takes a longer time. Some are analphabets and they need also to have education. There is actually a shortage of labor and of skilled labor in in Sweden nowadays. So I think there you have a problem that, that it has taken. The Sweden policies have not been really efficient in making people entering into the labour market fast enough. Marcus Wickel,
0: an opposition to immigration in a sense could actually lead to problems in the employment sector because don't you need people to do some of the jobs that uh, native-born Swedes might not be willing to do in healthcare and so on?
2: Of course we do. I mean we're not critical towards uh, immigration when it comes to uh, employment uh, when it comes to uh, getting people to different fields that we where we need more people. But the asylum policies what we are criticizing right now because then you just let people in without knowing. First of all, the asylum seekers to Sweden, they have, haven't have run from war when they come to Sweden. They've crossed eight or nine or ten different safe countries. So I mean, would we you believe like in to see an refugees. end to
0: all asylum seeking in, in Sweden, all, all, uh, all places for asylum seekers in Sweden?
2: As long as we don't have a conflict zone close to our country, yes. But I mean, we, we do believe in foreign aid. We do believe we're actually the party in Sweden that spends the most money on foreign aid, because we believe in helping refugees close to their own
4: home. And Rizbepar, Parsi,
0: that's quite a critical point, one that many political parties across Europe have adopted.
4: Yes, but I mean, that doesn't make it necessarily sensible. It just makes it politically viable. There's a difference. The point is that a lot of countries in Europe actually need more people. If you look at Southern Europe, for instance, Italy, it's a country which... The whole retirement pension scheme thing is going to break apart within the next couple of decades because they don't have enough kids. So, I mean, in that sense, you can say that what the politicians are doing right now is looking at this very short term, just going with the wind, not really thinking about what it means long term for their own societies. But I want to get back to one thing. This is that we're talking about values. And you brought up this whole niqab and burqa thing. These are the kind of signal issues that they use but are actually of no realistic effect in terms of actual number of people who actually wear these things. So, I mean, this is a rather silly issue, which is being used as a symbol in order to be able to signal something else. And that is the fact that culturally speaking, most of these parties, and the Sweden Democrats included, have a view of culture as something that is very fixed does not change and is innate to people. But to to, to, to pick up what you're
0: saying, pick up what you're saying, if you accept that the economy is doing well, that the, the governing parties over the last so many decades have done a good job at running the country, why can't they refocus the debate away from those issues, those signal issues, to focus on things like schools and health and jobs, the kind of things that most people would have there, would run their election on?
4: Well, then we'd have to go back and look at how the big ideologies have more or less withered away in the last 40 years. And they're now making a bit of a comeback, and you can see that exactly in the fact that people are starting to talk about social inequality as social inequality, rather than looking at it as something different. But for a long time, if you look at the big ideologies, they've basically been more or less irrelevant, because everyone, in a sense, especially after the fall of the Soviet Union, somehow got into the idea that all there is now left to do is to manage rather than to give a vision of what things should be. And if you have to compete between a vision of how things should be or fear something, fear usually wins. It's much more visceral to well, fear something than to hope and believe in a, in a vision.
1: Can I come in here to uh, a second explanation is for why it's not, why it has been so hard or why it is so hard for the other parties to politicized these kind of traditional socioeconomic issues that have really dominated Nordic and Sweden politics during the post-war period. And I think all the reforms that were made during the economic crisis, then there was really an, a crisis in, in, in Sweden, was that both parties, both the social Democrats and the moderates, were supported deregulation, privatization. So, I mean, both can be held accountable for that development. And it's not a really easy type of, of policy that can be, you know, you have you have a, a position and, uh, well, so both are responsible. So it's it's much more difficult to make contestation on, on those issues.
0: But, but Anne-Catherine Junger isn't the other point that, yes, Sweden's economy may be doing well, but it's also changing, as it is in many countries. High tech is taking over from unskilled mm-hmm. manufacturing. So you'll get a brand like Spotify, which is a very well-known global brand that happens to be Swedish and may not necessarily create that many jobs. And that perhaps affects the political landscape quite directly click exactly.
1: Yeah, obviously. I mean, and, and I think that's uh, I mean, which are the big issues for the future? And I think the old parties and, no, and, and and also the new parties they are, they do not talk about what's ahead. I mean, Sweden is known for being a modern country, looking ahead, having reforms and now, I mean, this is kind of the mo- one of the most pessimistic electoral campaigns that I ever have seen. There are no reforms for the, the future. I mean, there are challenges, as well, you say. The no- service sector, robot digitalization and I think there might be many kind of not utopias but ideas about I mean how could we change do we need to introduce new welfare schemes since not everyone will have the same type of jobs I mean there are many interesting issues but it's the voters and, and the parties are not keen on, on discussing well, those things. It's, it's really short term uh, politics. could a
0: problem come to your rescue? This summer was very hot in Sweden. There were forest fires. Isn't climate change an issue that in a sense fits with your party's agenda and one that the voters are increasingly concerned about?
3: Of course, and we have talked about it, and uh, we have like you know uh, suggested any solution to to the climate change, and we are still talking about it. But like you know, to going back, it's kind of hard in this debate and climate, like you know, uh, in Sweden right now, to talk about further questions uh, that are in the future. When you have the Swedish Democrats that are only like you know talking about the migration and the immigrants and everything that is wrong with the society is like you know the immigrants and to go, back, to go back to the values and to go back to the integration and so on I, I want to say that assimilation is not something that Sweden is going to adopt integration is about like you know two ways it, and it's not only about one way when you come to Sweden Sweden will take care of you and you have to be in the society and come into the society but in order to do that you need to have work and you need to have good education and you need to have a housing right now we have a housing problem in the whole of Sweden and of course that is like you know hard just to have a solution on it that will go away in a few years. You have to have the long-term solution on that. And when it comes to work, we have, like, you know, the lowest in unemployment when it comes to young people, the youth employment in many, many years. And that is a good way to do it. But to have solution as, like, you know, solution that will create parallel system in order like, you know, to say that the immigrants will uh, to have to have the low-paid jobs, for example, is not a, the way to go. And uh, when it comes to the values, I want to go back to that as well because I think it's really really interesting when you talk about the Swedish values when the Swedish Democrats or Sweden Democrats talk about the Swedish values they talk about the conservative values that we left like you know in the 50s when you see their equality policies it, it is policies from the 50s and if you look at what kind of values they are talking about it's like dressing in yellow blue dress and have blonde blue hair and okay. singing Swedish songs Ma- and that is not that kind of Swedish values that Ma- we have Marcus right Spiegel, now.
0: it is It is striking that the populist right in many other countries are willing, in a sense, to jump on a bandwagon that's very critical of Sweden. Why do you think that is, Sweden as it is now?
2: First of all, the populist right and the far right, uh, those are terms that I don't agree with Uh, if you talk about the Sweden Democrats. We consider ourselves to be a center party in Swedish politics, uh, where we lean towards the right when it comes to tax issues and, and to the left when it comes to welfare issues. Well, Sweden is in many ways looked at as a country that has failed when it comes to immigration. And this is quite clear when you visit different representatives from various parties all across Europe. I mean, I've traveled across Europe for many years now and met representatives from right-wing parties, from left-wing parties. And many of their representatives look at Sweden and look at Sweden as a failed country when it comes to immigration. And, of course, we jump back to the other question regarding uh, the employment of if we need... Certain or people that are involved in certain fields, of course, we wish to make it easier. If we have a need for doctors or nurses, we we wish to make it easier for doctors and nurses to come to Sweden to help out. But when it comes to the asylum policy, then there's a big problem, because we have no idea which people are coming to Sweden, and it costs the society a lot, not only when it comes to uh, economics, but also the culture clashes. And if you listen to the Social Democrats and other parties, they don't even agree to, to this stand or to the statement that we have a Swedish culture, which makes it even more weird for them to say that people are supposed to get integrated. What are you supposed to get integrated to when you can don't I, even...
0: Nusrali, uh, is it political can I, can correctness? I, I just, you you I, won't acknowledge that there's an issue. You won't discuss these things.
3: Of course we're addressing these issues. I mean, we have been talking about immigration and we have been talking about integration since, I don't know, 2014, 2015, 2016. We have been talking about crime. We have been talking about, you know, having hard to get work and so on. Of course we're talking about these questions. But if you have a party that are blaming everything on immigration and immigrants then it's really hard to address like you know solutions that are for long term but in order to ask i want to ask uh, this to marcus because i think this is really really interesting you're talking about assimilation you're talking about people coming to sweden and following how quote quote swedish values while you don't want to have in your program it says that you don't want to have permanent resistant permit are people coming to Sweden and staying for a few years and being, as you called, quote, Swedish people, and then you are just like, you know, throwing them out? Is that like, you know, your immigration policy?
2: No, but I mean, it's quite clear that, I mean, if you move to Sweden, you should become a Swedish citizen. You should, That should be but your But why goal. don't
3: you give them, and... why are you against like, you know, permanent resident permits? If, because if I just because you, you can't come if to you Sweden, want people if, you, to be
2: if you run away from, let's say you run away from a war, of course we should help them if they need help. First of all, the help should be given close to their neighboring countries. But if they do travel ac- across different safe countries and not end up in Sweden, we should give them, if they do uh, have the right to stay in Sweden, they should be able to stay in Sweden according th- to the current laws. But you need to look at the, the needs of the people coming here. And war here, in you, can, Somalia, just, you can't just let if, them if I just stay ask here. You can't just let
3: them stay So if I come from a war in Somalia, when I came here for say, when I was six years old, then I should like you know go to first of all to Addis Ababa or Ethiopia, and then second of all to Eritrea, and while like you know going through all the uh, African countries, then in the last. Then I can, like, you know, come to Sweden. That is what you are talking about. The only immigrants that you allow um, in your program—just let me be f- finish this. The only immigration that you allow is the one in the Nordic countries. Is that correct? When, when it comes you, to asylum with, seekers, with what you yes. say right now?
1: Yeah. Okay. This That's is the most sustainable the and, uh, yeah. Politics. And Catherine Jünger, if I can bring you in. Yes. You asked a very interesting question about the Swedish case. I mean, it seems to be that Sweden is a negative showcase for excessive liberalism. It was that and historically has been in the 60s and 70s it's, it was about the sexual liberation, about gender equality, about an expanding welfare. What what's happening? Families are dissolving, divorce rates and you know, everything bad was happening. I mean, and now it's about Sweden having been a liberal country welcoming a lot of immigrants and see what's happening. You know, the state is falling apart. There is a criminality and and I think there is something with Sweden and, and of course, the, the idle picture that, that Sweden also have been kind of sending out to the world. But I think it's, it, that makes Sweden such a good case to target for people or parties so that are briefly, critical of immigration. So very briefly, very briefly, anne now, now the, punish, the day brief, of punishment has come. Yes, very briefly,
0: though, isn't it inevitable that Sweden should have succumbed to a pattern, a political pattern that can be seen across Europe?
1: Oh, no, that's... uh, of, Of course. I mean, well, I think there has been a picture among both uh, politicians and researchers of Swedish exceptionalists, that Sweden is a different country and in a way is immune to this kind of of anti-immigration sentiments, radical right and populism. And I think Sweden has, in a way, become more similar to the rest of of the Europe in in this sense. Could I
4: add something? I mean, I just find it interesting, this whole notion of, of Sweden failing with integration and failing with this and that. In the 1990s, when Sweden took a lot of Bosnian refugees, you had exactly the same idea, that these are not going to integrate, they're not like us, they're different, they're blah, blah, blah. Twenty years later, they're part of Sweden. One of them even was a minister for a short while. So this, I mean, there is an element of hysteria over this, but this is the first time that you have a party in Sweden that's managed to kind of take it to the bank, if you will.
0: We've all, we're almost out of time. At the beginning of this discussion... I asked if Sweden is losing its cool. I want to reframe that and ask each of you what this election, this campaign, with the issues that have been raised, some of which we've discussed now, tell us about Sweden as it really is in 2018. Risbe Parsi.
4: Well, let's revisit, revisit where you started. I think a fair amount of the people who vote for the Sweden Democrats actually are racist or they don't care that the party that they vote for are racist. So in that sense, I think it shows, again, that in Sweden, like any other country, not everyone is enlightened, not everyone is tolerant, and not everyone is willing to live in a multicultural society. They're basically willing to deny reality, if you will, in that sense. And I think this election also shows that some of the other parties don't have as much spine as one would like to think or hope.
0: Markus Wiegel?
2: Well, uh, Sweden is still a beautiful country, and I love Sweden, of course. So do Uh. I. (laughs) Sadly, I mean, the economy right now is doing well. The unemployment rate right now is well. However, when the economy is going to turn, quite scared of what's going to happen to this society. And what we've seen the past couple of years is that the no, uh, number of no-go zones have increased, uh, uh, segregation have increased, extremism ha- has increased. And this is a huge problem. I mean, people don't feel safe as they used to anymore in Sweden. So s- Sweden is a beautiful country, but we do have huge problems when it comes to the segregation. And okay.
1: th-
0: I, I think that's a big problem. Anne-Katherine Jünger.
1: Well, I'm both an optimist and somewhat of a realist. I mean, now we see a backlash in Sweden when it comes to to um, kind of of optimism about the future, also when it comes to being open, cherishing uh, humanitarian values, and also when it comes to being secular. But I think this is this will this will Sweden is a very secular country. It's liberal people are have a strong democratic convictions they believe in the welfare state they believe in solidarity majority so i think sweden will not change much but it will it will change uh, somewhat so i think sweden will continue much uh, being the same as it has been nusrally of course i uh, i think that
3: Right now we have a debate that is like, you know, um, trying to make uh, Sweden to to paint a black picture of it, but I think Sweden is going really well and we have a good economical, we have the, as I said before, the lowest uh, youth unemployment in 16 years. More people are in work and more people are getting uh, uh, optimistic and I think when it comes to questions as the climate change, for example, I think people can focus on that and uh, of course I'm I'm young, I'm political active for one reason and I believe in equality society and uh, want to keep that and a lot of young people are trying like you know to uh, to work for that change as well and uh, as Elizabeth said we have a backlash right now but I think we can go through it together and stronger together we are stronger of course
0: Well, thank you very much to all our guests. That's it for this week on The Real Story. Thank you to Nusra Ali and Catherine Younger, Ruzbeh Parsi and Marcus Fiekel. If you'd like to listen to the programme again or any other from the archive, you can listen back online by searching for BBC The Real Story. And if you like this week's programme, make sure you never miss another edition. Subscribe to our podcast. You can find it by searching for The Real Story in your podcast app. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on the programme. Email us at therealstory at bbc.co.uk. UK. From me, Rithullah Shah, and the team, this is the real story for this week. Thank you for listening.